Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is episode 167 of Yoga Land. Jason joins me today, and we decided to answer a listener question. Sometimes we can squeeze like three listener questions into one episode, but this one just gets its own episode. And the question was basically about teaching yoga in a hot room, taking yoga in a hot room, the advantages, the disadvantages, the benefits. And since Jason just started really teaching in a heated room in the past few years, he has a lot to say and a lot of thoughts. And as always, if you have thoughts that you want to share, you can share them on Instagram with the hashtag YogalandStories and I'll find them. Or you can always send me an email to support at jasonyoga.com. You can also submit questions there that you would like to have answered on a future podcast and we will put them in the pile for consideration. All right, everyone, enjoy the episode. Okay, so we are going to focus on a listener question today, and I'm just going to jump right in. Go for it. How about the pros and cons of hot yoga? While I'm not personally a fan of hot, the reality is that it's a more accessible class most days, and I've begrudgingly learned to deal with it. Arm balances are nowhere near as satisfying with sweat everywhere. My Hanuman, though, feels like it has possibilities. For some students, it's hot or bust, i.e. the heat and heavy sweating is essential to the yoga experience. Heat debate can be polarizing. That's a very well Totally. Said. It's very polarizing. Totally. I love this question. Yeah, it's a good question. And what I want to do is I want to talk about it, which is the only way I think I really can fairly talk about this, which is purely anecdotally. Because I have taught in a hot room for the last, when did Love Story open? Like three years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So going on three years. In January, it'll be year three. So I have taught. Well, in, let's talk about how hot it is because it's not Bikram hot. It's not Bikram hot, but I'll qualify it. But I think that the important point that I want to make here is I have a lot of anecdotal experience from teaching in a hot room and from teaching in a not hot room. And I think that it can be really helpful to have a comparison between the two. And the question starts off with pros and cons, which is really valuable because I think that there are pros and I think that there are cons. There's some upsides and there's some downsides. And I think anyone that has the experience would say the same. And sometimes the cons are going to outweigh or sometimes the pros are going to outweigh. Okay. That was a very political answer. So political. Wow. And we should work in diplomacy. And whatever you want to do with your ligaments is fine. Jason wants to be the next ambassador to Finland. Well, the new ambassador to Europe because Sondland's gone. Anyways. Okay. The EU. We're not going there. Anyways. So here are what I think are the pros. So actually, no, one thing needs to be qualified first, which is there are a lot of different sequencing methodologies that are done in a hot room. So usually when someone just says hot yoga, Usually what they're referring to is kind of a set sequence, and it might be the Bikram sequence, or it might be one of the derivatives. So there's a lot of people that teach in a hot room, and it is a derivative of Bikram yoga, but it's not called a derivative of Bikram yoga because that's legally questionable. So it's just called hot yoga. But they usually take the same principles of having a specific set sequence, right? And that set sequence is really similar to Bikram. And it's mostly standing postures. 
So there's there's front bands, there's back bands, but like the Bikram series, it's more heavily skewed towards standing work. And it typically there aren't that many salutations and there aren't that many inversions and there aren't that many vinyasa motions. So to provide even further context, the class that I teach that is in a hot room is a vinyasa class. So the class that I teach doesn't follow the hot yoga sequences because I think the hot yoga sequences are, they're fine in that context, but I, they're, they're not something that I'm interested in teaching. But the experience of practicing yoga in a hot room is similar depending, like regardless of pause the style. You. Yeah, I want to pause you for a yeah. sec. So this is what's really interesting to me, which is, you know, I would say about 10 years ago, if you Googled hot yoga, it would be all about Bikram or Bikram-based sequences because vinyasa studios were not heated right. 10 years ago of the course. way they are now. Sometimes Ashtanga rooms would be heated because it was morning, 5 a.m. and you were rolling out of bed and it was they cold. But not heat warm. But yeah, it, it wouldn't be like it wouldn't be like a 90 degree room. Right. So In this fact, is why I think the debate is really polarizing yeah. because it's a, it's a new thing for vinyasa studios to adopt this heated situation. Yeah. And I actually wonder, I'm not I'm not sure, but it is very much also a San Francisco thing. No, it isn't. It isn't. I'm well, just telling you it isn't. It, it isn't, started babe. early in San Francisco, but I wonder if Yoga Works in LA, what is the original studios, if those are now heated. I don't know if like Vinny or if hates they're his the studios or Oh my god, Vinny definitely hates okay. his room. Yeah. Okay. But it's very teacher specific. It was at yeah. Yoga Works years ago. It was yeah. not every single class. Yeah. So I, I think to the point, when someone says hot yoga, they're really typically referring to Bikram or a Bikram divert. Right. Yeah, we're, we go. Subset. Mm-hmm. But regardless, the variable is the heat, right? So that's really what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. We're talking about doing yoga in a hot room. Right. Whether you're doing a hot yoga sequence or a vinyasa yoga sequence or a yin yoga sequence, we're looking at the mechanism of heat. Okay, so the upside. I'm going to tell you the upside, which is... As a yoga teacher, I don't have to teach a very complicated class. As a vinyasa yoga teacher, because there is so much heat stress, I can teach a much simpler, easier yoga sequence. And it can feel much more intense and much hard because you have the heat layer. So the upside of that is that for people that are looking for a really physically robust experience, and no one should judge whether or not that's a positive or a negative thing. Different people have different physical requirements to feel well. So people who are looking for a physically intense setting, it's really easy to experience that in a hot room because the yoga sequence can be pretty simple. It can be pretty vanilla. It doesn't have to be really complicated. All it has to do is ask you to work your body thoroughly. And if you're working your bodily thoroughly for 60 or 90 minutes in a hot room, you are going to have a very overt physical experience. So I would say kind of the deliverable of sweating, moving, getting the endorphins released, circulation, right? All of those things are really easy to achieve in a hot room. Here's the thing is you can sit in a hot room and do nothing and sweat. So the sequence that I teach when I teach in a hot room is a much simpler, easier sequence than I teach in a non-hot room. 
So it's easier for me as the teacher to provide an intense class. As a yoga student, it's more guaranteed that you're going to get that thing by going to that class. There's no way you're going to come to a vinyasa yoga class or a hot yoga class in a heated room looking for physical intensity and not get physical intensity. I think that's the biggest thing. I think that another upside is the toxicity issues, right? Oh, like the like detox. When people say you're sweating yeah, like, the toxins. Like I know this is going to be super polarizing, but that just isn't a thing. Science actually is very, very clear on this topic that you can't really facilitate detoxification of the body through sweating. Like it's a very, 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 very mild. There's there's one or two environmental toxins that can come out. And if anyone is interested in it, in learning more, just do a little research on the topic and you will see that the vast majority of studies that look at the, the, the detoxification just show that this is not really a physiologically significantly valid statement. Mm-hmm. But, 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 facilitating circulation is unbelievably important. So you are helping to facilitate circulation. And not only are you facilitating circulation, but you're facilitating the endorphins that come with elevated pulse, Uh right? You're making the heart do its thing. You're exercising. And those are really, 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 really good. Right. So it's probably a little shaky grounds to say that there's detoxification that's happening in that setting that isn't also happening as a normal function of being alive and having the organs that detoxify your body. But the movement in a in a hot room is a really valuable thing if you have the health that allows for it. Right. So I think another way of saying this is, because we did get sort of a part two to this question, which is uh, someone asked, you know, how do I deal with so many other teachers saying sweat out the toxins when I don't say it and I don't believe it and I don't want to insult other teachers, but I also don't want to be perpetuating misinformation. So I think that as a writer and an editor, from a metaphorical standpoint, it doesn't bother me at all because I don't take things that literally. Right. You know what I mean? I'm so glad you brought that up. But I do think, and I I do think that there is like a, a poeticism to yoga and instruction. So that doesn't bother me. Like, you know, what used to bother, drive one of the editors of Yoga Journal crazy, like drive her insane when she would say things like bring the tailbone and the pubic bone together. Right. Doesn't bother me. It's it's an idea. Okay. But I do think that that some people do take it literally. Yes. And that and that's challenging. And that's not a good thing. But I think what you're the point that you are trying to make is that there are physiological benefits totally. to doing yoga in a hot room. The heat may increase your pulse. Yes. And that may increase circulation. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so back to this topic. Because this this actually comes up in my trainings quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually make the same point to them, which is I don't really have a problem with teachers saying it's detoxifying either. I don't say it, but I don't have a problem with someone else saying it. So I never feel like in response to that that direct question – I don't feel like I need to make a claim for or against 
a phenomenon to see the value of the phenomenon. So if someone is saying yoga is detoxifying, well, I can also just step back and say exactly what you said, which is if someone means that metaphorically, like it's decluttering the mind, it's decluttering the heart, it's focusing the attention. Clearing you out. It's clearing you out, totally. So that's where like, I don't, you know, we didn't make this podcast be like debunking the detoxification. No, not at all. You know what I mean? So like, I don't really have a problem with it, but it's not scientifically valid enough for me to make that claim. Sure. Right? So, and again, that's someone that teaches in a hot room. So I'm never like, come to my class because it's detoxifying. It's come to this class because it is going to facilitate this incredible amount of circulatory effect. And that is a valuable thing, mm-hmm. right? Can I just get, say one more thing? Yeah. So for the woman who asked the question, this is the part two question of how do I deal with my colleagues who, who say sweat out the toxins when I don't believe it? I just have one suggestion. It may or may not be possible, but I know that from an editorial perspective, like we had conversations like this all the time when I worked at Yoga Journal. And so we would come together in a meeting, we would debate something and we would each have our point of view and our research. And we would go from there to come to a decision. So, I mean, if it's, if your studio ever gets all of your teachers together to have meetings, I don't know if you do or not. It's something that you could just say beforehand, like, hey, I just kind of want to bring up this sweat out the toxins thing I keep hearing. And then you could bring some research and just present it. And then the studio owners could kind of decide on a policy about it. And again, I think it's encompassed to how literal are we being with this? It can go both ways. Like, And I just think that it's important. You know, we had a style guide at Yoga Journal. Like, you know, if we're going to get into talking about this as a community, might as well just actually talk about it and say... You cannot promise certain health benefits from one yoga class. You can't. You can't. But also, we're not the language police. So figure out a way to say it that's not inaccurate. Yeah. Period. When people walk out of any class, but including a hot class, they're going to feel clean, calm. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They have that kind of like that clarified tone of being. Mm -hmm. But they don't have a measurably lower rate of toxicity within their system. Right. So let's talk about the mental component about it. Like I think about it like this all the time. When we do a physical yoga practice, we're taken to our physical threshold. And then when you're at your physical threshold, you have the opportunity to become better at self-regulation. So when you are presented with the physical stress of being in a hot yoga room, you come up to your physical threshold, and your physical threshold is never just a physical threshold. It is a mental threshold. It is an emotional threshold. What you have to do when you're up against your physical threshold, especially in a hot room, to keep it together, to stay there, to stay with it, to not bail, to stay focused and not to freak out, it's not for everyone. But for the people that it is for, it is hugely valuable. So I don't recommend hot yoga for everyone in the same way there's no style of yoga I recommend for everyone because you just kind of have to figure out whether or not this is resonant with you and your process. And your physical state of being. Yeah. I did a hot class when, like 
after when I, while I was nursing, I didn't realize it was going to be hot, and I was it was very bad for totally. my, my physical. It becomes very difficult in the yoga communities because we have a strong feeling. We feel like everyone has to share that same feeling. Totally. We all have to agree and be You know, and it's like, well, it's good to be hot. It's not good to be hot. Like, look, let's, I've been saying this a ton in, especially in my sequencing trainings. Like we have to differentiate between what is your preference versus what is a mandate, Hmm. right? And a lot of the decisions that we make as teachers and practitioners are not mandates, they're preferences. They're not these empirical mandates. So it's like not an empirical mandate that people should or should not do hot yoga. It is a preference of whether or not someone is going to do it or not do it. And it is a legitimate preference to have or not have. Mm-hmm. And for those people that have it, in addition to that, the intense physicality is the psycho-emotional self-regulation that happens in heat stress Mm -hmm. because you're presented with your aversions, right? You're presented with the instinct of get me the bleep out of here. Mm -hmm. That's a very good instinct to be presented with in a controlled circumstance because then you can decide whether or not that instinct, the way that it's currently presenting itself is something you want to listen to or whether or not you want to push back a little bit against it. Yeah. It's not for me to decide, but I do welcome the environment. Like I welcome all environments that test our thresholds. And there's no way of looking at yoga and just seeing like the answer to yoga is just always be comfortable. You know what I mean? There's no reading of any traditional yoga setting that's like, just be comfortable with the things as they are. Mm-hmm. You know, so we are being we are being asked to come up to our thresholds and heat stress is one way of doing that. Mm-hmm. And when people are presented with their physical stress, because it is a stressor, of that heated room, there's a lot of tempering of their reactions that they have to do. And that to me is a valuable thing. That's interesting. Yeah, you've got to call upon your toolkit. Am I going to breathe through this? Am I going to watch it arise and watch it pass? Am I going to try to, you know, just stay as neutral as possible? Totally. No one is going to do hot yoga in whatever environment it is and not think, man, this is hard. Get me out. Hmm. That impulse is going to come up, right? That impulse is going to come up time and time again, but that impulse isn't necessarily something in the yoga world that we always want to follow. Yeah. You know, I don't want to be cavalier here. You know, like anytime I, anytime in the context of yoga, I think about the value of kind of like leaning into the difficult situation. I also have the counter narrative of like, life is tough enough. Can we just like (laughs) ease up? Right. Because there is a place for that too, but that place is not this place. Right. right, You know what I mean? The thing is, is about a hot practice is you're going to have to lean into the difficulty and you're going to be presented with every internal instinct that is saying, this is hard, get me out of here now. Hmm. And when you don't succumb to that, but you develop steadiness in that, you develop steadiness under pressure. And that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. That's a really big, big, big deal. That's interesting. I mean, what? because one of the questions that came up for me was... Does being in a hot room do the opposite? Like, does it take you so far into managing your physical state that you're not really having an internal 
mental experience? The mental experience is huge, but now this is very close because we'll get to the, let's get to the cons. Okay. And again, this is someone that teaches in both environments. So I know what comes up and I know what I have to manage, which is a lot of times in a hot room, the heat stress is so significant. I'm just going to say it. The quality of the yoga is not as good. And the reason that that is, that the technique is not as good. Mm. And the reason that that is, is because we kind of go into survival mode, right? So there's something really interesting that I really want people to hear, which is you can't work as hard. The room is actually so hot, you can't do your poses as well. You can't be as complete, as thorough, as engaged because you're kind of having to decelerate you're in there and you're like, I'm in, a, I'm in warrior three and I'm in, my head's going to explode, but no, I'm gonna, I can live. But you actually have to tamp down some of the thoroughness or you won't make it. So because that additional stress is there, number one, there are specific poses that are just way harder to do and they're harder to do well. And so you start to get into that survival mode and you're like, this warrior three is fine because I'm alive as opposed to I'm reaching through the ring fingers. I'm externally rotating the arms. I'm lengthening the inner elbows. I'm softening the side of the neck. I'm, I have that composed breathing cadence. I'm finding that middle ground between effort and relaxation. Like there's so many things you just, you just actually can't really do as well under that stress. Mm -hmm. And so I think this is one of the reasons, too, that you'll see a lot of the, the more like Bikram styles. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be someone that disagrees with this, but the actual nuances of the postures are not that fleshed out they, because it's not the right time or place. It's like it, the Ashtanga world and the Bikram world, like those are really valuable worlds. Those really work very well for certain bodies and certain constitutions, but those aren't the worlds that have really, really, really fleshed out the incredible minute details of the individual postures because you're working with timing, you're working with rhythm, your focus is on other things. Whereas in more of the Iyengar world, and this isn't a hierarchy of what's valuable and not, but in the Iyengar world, the subtlety is so fleshed out, but some of the other stressors aren't there. Some of the other things aren't as fleshed out, like the continuity of breath and cadence and so forth. Yeah. I just want to like, I got a little distracted because we're not proponents of Bikram himself. No, 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 I just want to say that because he's just an awful abuser. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. But stylistically, right? And this, not to relitigate this, but when we had the conversation about yin, I'm not for or against any particular approach to yoga. I think that different people have really different physical strategies to be well. And some people, their karmas, they want a much more overt, physically demanding way to be well. Mm -hmm. And so hot yoga or a vinyasa practice or mildly heated vinyasa, like I use, is a strategy for people that that want to work in a much more overt, robust way. But I'm going to tell, I'm going to kind of, I'm going to be fully disclosed. Okay. My Tuesday, Thursday class that I teach in a heated room, it's a level two, three class. And the majority of the students that come to that class are in really good shape and they're pretty young. My all levels class, which is on Wednesday, 
has a much more diverse age range and experience range. The sequence that I teach on Wednesday to the all levels group is a harder sequence. (laughs) It's hard. Pretty interesting. It's more complicated. Yeah. But the overall experience of the two, three in the heated room is a way harder class. Yeah. So that's just something to know is that when you don't have the burden of the heat stress, you can often work much more thoroughly and much more intensely within the individual postures. Right, right. So we want to see like what we're trading up for and what we're trading down for in the different disciplines. Right, right, right. I have just two more negatives to throw in the mix. One is thinking of Ayurveda from that perspective, if you are really pitta dominant or pitta imbalanced, a hot class could potentially just exacerbate that. And so the way that you would notice that would be if you felt after the class later, like really irritable, really sharp, like really angry or overly dehydrated. You know, if like, if there's just, if for some people at certain times, I would just recommend paying attention to what the heat does for you after class. Because as you say, there's going to be heat stress while you're in the class, but like paying attention to how your body feels a few hours later and the next day. The other thing I want to throw- to that? Sure. Before you do another one? So I don't do hot yoga, but we have an infrared sauna Mm -hmm. and- I do like a pretty chill yoga practice in there, like three or four days a week. And I love it. In about 90 degree heat or? Hot? Like 120. Oh, well then you do do hot yoga. In, yeah, yeah, you're right. I guess I do, <laughs> I do hot yoga. But I don't do like hot vinyasa. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I do. Yeah. I do do hot yoga. <laughs> yeah. But I don't work super hard. So that's the other thing too, is when I'm in there, I can't work my poses as 30. I don't do arm balances in there mm-hmm. because I can't, I'm too sweaty. Mm-hmm. But I'll do like opening poses and standing poses and so forth. But more to the point is like when I travel and I train jujitsu at night after class, which is, I won't say it's like hot yoga, but you, you get hotter than you get in hot yoga. I have a really hard time sleeping at night. Mm-hmm. So that to me is You're the other pizza. one. Yeah, yeah, that to me is the other one of, if, if it overstimulates yeah, you. Yeah, if it overstimulates you, like my pulse rate, and I'm in good shape, so I have good heart rate variability. But if I'm super physical between 6 and 8 p.m. and I'm sweating and just like a disaster, I feel really great afterwards, but I can't really turn it off in time. And then the other component to that, which you mentioned is the dehydration, right? It's like I have this issue of, oh my God, I'm super dehydrated and yet TMI, like if I drink too much before I go to sleep, then I'm going to be up all night peeing, Mm -hmm. you know? So it can be a little bit of a trick and you have to know, you have to experiment enough and pay attention, not just to how it feels. Part of the yoga is is. understanding what your body needs on any, you know, any given period of time. Last thing, what do you think about the fact that heat is, you know, can be kind of analgesic and perhaps for really flexible? I think it's a really good point. I think you could potentially overstretch in the heat. Yeah. So this could almost be a topic that we could have, we could talk to Jules about again. Oh, okay. Right. Because the part of the malleability of tissues is their water contents. Okay. 
And so when the body becomes warmer, because of the effect on the water content, it's called viscoelasticity, right? So the muscles have a water content that's the viscous component. And so when you are heating up things that have viscoelasticity, i.e. the soft tissues of your body, you produce more mobility. That is a double-edged sword. That is both a nice thing, but also possibly a diminishing returns thing and possibly a liability. So we run the risk of excess range of motion in an environment where you have greater elasticity because of the heated viscous nature of the substrates of the body, but also where you have, it's harder to pay attention to specific things. It's both the analgesic effect, but also like you can get overwhelmed. It's really hard to pay attention right? and it's hard to regulate Mm -hmm. because everything is so hard, Mm -hmm. right? And you're like, I'm in survival mode. When you're in survival mode and you have the adrenaline you might not be quite as sensitive to the local stuff. So yeah, overstretch injuries, overstretch injuries are, I don't want to say they're more likely to happen. I I have no data on that, but certainly that is a concern of mine. It's something to be mindful of too. Yeah, and it's something I talk to my students about all the time. And again, just anecdotally, I'm like, especially if we're towards the end of practice and they're working on like more of a range of motion pose, like Hanumanasana or something. I'm like, you guys, this is a really great time to do Hanumanasana and it's a really tricky time to do Hanumanasana. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. So if you have that little bit of extra space in your body right now, don't assume that you need to take it. <laughs> and I will say this too. It's one of the reasons too that I just so much default to active range of motion technique And also in that environment, default to teaching people to engage their muscles a little bit at their end range so that they're they're working with a little bit more tone with the body in those lengthened positions. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I would say bottom line is it's like anything. There's some upsides to it. There's some stuff to manage it. If it really feels for you and you thrive, do it. And you don't have to make up unverifiable claims like this is good because of x y and z at detox it's like it's good because it works for you Mm -hmm. and you feel good and you feel more clear and that's enough and if it doesn't work for you it's okay that it doesn't work for you or if you have your reservations it's okay but just remember different people really thrive under different physical conditions and and someone might be thriving in a situation that you just personally just don't relate to yourself yeah yep yep All right. Thank you, Jason. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening. I will put show notes at yogalandpodcast.com slash episode 168. And I think what I will do is do some of our most popular slash favorite sequences that we have created over the years from our blog because we have a newly redesigned website, which I really have not been doing a great job of making a big announcement hoo-ha about. So here we go. Go to the show notes page this week and I'll put some sequences up there and then you can see our big reveal, our big redesign. It took us a long time. We're very excited about it. There's kind of a fun video on the homepage. So we'd love it if you check it out. 
And thanks for listening. Thanks for your support over the years and hope to meet you in person one day. Until next week, enjoy your practice.